those who are hard of hearing, here we're all set now. <clears throat> but for many people, the whole idea of God actually coming close and personal and knowable, um, that there can actually be the truth about God to be known to us through uh, God sending Jesus into our world, uh, that still produces a lot of fear. More than anything else, produces a kind of a fear in people. And um, so, as you all know, uh, our Christmas season is filled uh, with man-made distractions and traditions that sort of sidestep the main event, which is kind of tragic because we can get caught up in everything except uh, the main event. God meant it for something to be of great joy, and yet for many people, it's great fear. And so Jesus came to convince us, right, of God's love. He came to invite us into God's joy. And uh, he came to give us a measure of God's peace. God's love, God's joy, and God's peace, all designed for our benefit. But when fear causes us to keep Jesus at a distance, when fear causes us to sort of stiff arm the, the star of Christmas. Um, we keep our distance from God. And one of the consequences of keeping our distance from God is that we end up kind of on our own to deal with a very broken world that creates a lot of problems and adversity for us. And we end up on our own without the resources that God intends for us to have. Um, reality is uh, problems come into our life either way, whether you're a believer or not, whether Jesus is close to you and in your life or not, the problems of the world have a way of making their way into our lives. And that's just reality. The divorce, whether we're a believer or not, leaves me lonely and leaves the kids confused. Uh, the loss of a loved one, whether I'm a believer or not, still leaves me grieving. Uh, the financial reverse, whether I'm a believer or not, still leaves me with obligations I can't pay. Um, the reality is that these things come our way. A wayward child still eats at my heart, whether I'm a believer or not. Health issues still annoy me, whether I'm a believer or not. And so the love of God and the joy of the Lord and the peace that passes understanding do not shield me from the brokenness of life. Isn't that right? They don't shield me from the brokenness of the life that we live uh, here. And um, it's very significant, I think, that, <clears throat> um, that God's gifts to us, his love and his joy and his peace and the problems of life are not mutually exclusive. I think a lot of Christians get that confused and create a lot of uh, hurt for themselves because they think, well, now that I'm a Christian and God loves me and God you know, wants me to have peace and joy, that he'll just shield me from any grief that happens in this life. And then we live a little while and we discover that that's not really true. And so in John chapter 16, Jesus, I think, talked about it like this. Um, he said, you know, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but take heart, don't lose hope. I have overcome the world. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take heart, I'll be with you, don't lose hope, um, I have overcome the world. And so Christians are not exempt from problems, but our perspective on our problems and our resources for dealing with our problems is completely different 
than somebody who does not allow the Lord into their own personal space. Now, the really cool thing, the really cool thing, I think, about welcoming Jesus into our lives is not the love and the joy and the peace, but God has um, one more life-giving, vital resource that's such a tremendous help and makes all the difference in how we live the balance of our life. It's called hope. Hope. I don't know if you've ever really thought about this, but the hope that God delivers to us uh, changes everything. Um, Hope acknowledges the future. Hope ties us to the future. And um, it's, very, uh, it's a very significant gift. It changes everything. Hope realizes that there's more going on uh, than what meets the eye. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul was talking about his own life and some of the problems that came into his life. Uh, the great apostle Paul, and he sort of sums it up like this in verse 16. He says, so we don't lose heart. We don't lose heart. In spite of all the problems that come to us, we don't lose heart. We don't lose hope. Um, Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient or temporary, but the things that are unseen are eternal." You see, inviting Jesus into our space allows us, allows us to understand that what's going on in this life is preparation for the life to come. Now, the truth is, and I don't know if you've ever thought about this or not, but the truth is the only life that you and I have left to live is our future life. The only life that you and I have left to live is our future life. The past is gone. You can't do a thing about the past. Uh, In fact, um, one of the great uh, passages of scripture that I go to often in my own personal life, and uh, as well as try to encourage other people to consider, but in Philippians, again, the Apostle Paul is talking, and and, uh, here's what he says in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and uh, verse 13. He says, but one thing I do, Now, whenever the Bible says, like, hey, there's one thing that I do, like, I'm like all ears, right? This one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what lies behind. Forget it. You want to give yourself a Christmas present this Christmas? Forget the past. Just forget it. Let it go. Paul says, this one thing I do, right? I forget the past, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. The only life you and I have left to live is our future life. And we would do ourselves a favor by letting go of the past and joining Paul in straining to grab a hold of the future for which God has called us into it. He says, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And... uh, I think that's a a great way to uh, treat the past is to just say, you know what, I'm going to put my energy, my focus, my direction onto the future because I can't do a thing about the past. It's gone. And uh, so that's what the Bible says about the past. If we turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, we read what the Bible says about the future. And uh, here's what Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope. A living hope. Let me read that again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, think about this. A living hope. God's life in Christ and hope are bonded together. You can't have one without the other. They're like welded together. God's life and hope. It's a living hope. And it brings life to us. And when we welcome Jesus, the next verse says, when we welcome Jesus into our space, into our life, into our heart, um, this living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead uh, to an inheritance. The minute you become a Christian, you become incredibly rich. You receive an inheritance, right? And now an inheritance is a possession that somebody else creates that you get. And what God is saying is that in this living hope, we have this inheritance. And uh, notice uh, some things about our inheritance. It's imperishable, it's undefiled, and it's unfading, kept in heaven for you. It's imperishable means it can't rust, it can't rot, it can't be stolen, it won't get moldy, it never wears out, it's imperishable. It's undefiled, it can't tarnish, it can't get polluted, it, it, sin can't touch it, it's perfection. This inheritance is perfection, and it's unfading. You know what that means? It means it'll never lose its wow factor. Tomorrow, you're going to open a present, and you're going to say, oh, wow. But I guarantee you, just give it a little time, and the wow factor will be gone. Right? We all have stories about that, you know, because why? Because things wear out and because some people spill on things and stuff like that happens to things and, and they get stretched out and all of that kind of stuff or they get lost and so forth. Our future inheritance is nothing like the life that we're living today. It's way better. It's way better. It will never lose its wow factor. All the expectations of God are for the future. They're all future expectations. If you ever think about this, you realize that the possibilities of love and joy and peace are future possibilities. The promises of God are for more, more love, more joy, more peace in the future. And hope is what connects us to that future. Hope is the uh, uh, connection to our future. And uh, notice, if you will, how this living hope in this great inheritance of eternal life uh, is, is a, a balance for uh, living our lives in this life. Um, we receive this inheritance, imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. And in this you rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary... You have been grieved by various trials. Why would that be? Why does that have to be? So that, verse 7, the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation, the return of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Why do we have these trials and these problems? They're a test to see where our faith is at. And listen, it's not a test so that God can know where we're at. It's for us. It's so that we can know where we're at in our relationship with the Lord and uh, all that he wants to give us. Um, And so when you think about this and you realize, you know, um, in the midst of the trials, we've been given a resource called hope that enables us to deal with the various things that come along. And each one of those uh, problems is an occasion uh, for our faith to be proven. Uh, Paul says the same thing in uh, Romans Uh, Chapter 8 and uh, verse 18, where the Apostle Paul says this, you know, uh, um, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us, for the creation waits in eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God, you know? Uh, The sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with all that God has prepared, all that hope can tap into and grab hold of. Uh, Anyway, hope, you know, when the Bible uses the word hope, it uses it in a very different way than we use it in our culture today. Uh, The word hope in the Bible is different from the word that we usually use today. God's hope is living and uh, brings life with it. It has the breath of God right in it. Uh, Hope, as the world uses it, is conditioned by uncertainty. Oh, I hope this happens, or I hope that happens, but I'm not sure it's going to happen. I'm just kind of hoping it's going to happen, and um, it has uncertainty attached to it. It's used to speculate, you know, Uh, but I'm not certain about it. Biblical hope is different. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is the unshakable confidence that God can be trusted that God's promises will, in fact, happen in the future. It's different than the way we use the word hope. Hope in the Bible is a certainty. It's the unshakable confidence that the promises of God are true and that his grace is able to get us there. And so biblical hope is certain. Um, The realization is yet future, and that's why it's called hope. Uh, But what that means, when we have this kind of biblical hope, it means that in the middle of any problem that you have, in the middle of any trial that comes your way, in the middle of any disaster that happens, we're able to look through the tunnel and we're able to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Biblical hope enables us to, we might not like what we see going down the tunnel, we might not like having to walk through the tunnel, but we see at the end of that tunnel that light. Uh, that promise that God has made about the future and hope attaches us to that. Uh, Our hope, for example, is in the return of Jesus. He's coming back. And uh, in fact, the Bible calls this the the blessed hope uh, in Titus, uh, back in Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, uh, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The blessed hope. The word blessed just means happy, so I call it the happy hope. The happy hope is that Jesus is coming back, right? And when Jesus comes back, uh, there are a number of things uh, that the Bible tells us will happen, and uh, everything will change. That's when um, uh, everything turns around for those of us who are believers. 
the first thing is that that's when people who have died will be resurrected to life. Um, you, you are familiar with this great promise. First Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us uh, what that's going to be like. Um, Paul wrote to the Thessalonian church, and uh, he says in verse 15, For this we declare to you by a word right from the Lord, that we who are alive and are left until the coming of the Lord, when the Lord comes back, we will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry and a command of the voice of the archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? I mean, can you just imagine what that's going to be like? In fact, you don't even have to imagine. If you go back to Matthew chapter 27, there was a time right after Jesus resurrected that a whole bunch of people rose from the dead. You can read about it back there in, in Matthew 27. They just, I mean, can you just imagine like somebody showing up at your door and it's your parents, you know, and it's like, hey, what's for supper? You know, and you're like, whoa, this is exactly what God promised. And it'll happen when, when Jesus comes back. It's uh, the hope of every uh, true Christian. Uh, we have this blessed hope. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, uh, Paul wrote about it like this. He said, our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself. This is the hope of every believer. This is, the, this is really kind of exciting when you think about it. There's a day when Jesus comes back and all of those who have died in Christ will be resurrected out of wherever they're buried or uh, wherever they are. And all over the Bible, you know, there are promises about this. In um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and uh, verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery, the Bible says. We will not all sleep, but will all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. So we have this great hope in the day when Jesus comes back. Uh, one of the first things that's going to happen that's going to be radical, you know, is that um, the people who have died in Christ will be resurrected. How great will that be? Uh, another thing that's going to happen on that day that our hope attaches us to, um, Jesus' half-brother Jude wrote this little letter in the back of your Bible. And uh, in verses 24 and 25, it says, Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before his presence. Can you imagine that someday on the other side of this life, the Lord Jesus is going to present you to God blameless. Blameless. Uh, there's only one person in the whole universe who can make you blameless before God. And, uh, you know, I don't know about you, but the biggest thing that's wrong with me is me. Because I'm not blameless, right? And you might think that the biggest thing that's wrong with you is you, too. be okay for you to think that way. Uh, but Jesus took everything that's blameworthy in my life and yours, and he paid God for all of that blame by dying in our place on the cross. 
And so I have this hope that when Jesus comes back and we meet God, that we'll be presented as blameless. And so I think, my goodness, you know, if you're one of these people who's afraid to let Jesus come close and get into your space and you sort of stiff arm him and keep him out there, you know what? You know what you're leaving on the table when you do that is the one opportunity in your whole lifetime for all of eternity to have Jesus present you as blameless before God. If you leave that on the table over the course of your life, I say you're nuts. This is a gift from God. You'd have to be a knucklehead, you know, to not take advantage of this gift. If you, because of fear, refuse to welcome Jesus into your personal life, you leave this on the table. Jesus can make us faultless, right, in God's eyes. And uh, less fear, more faith is what swells our lives with hope. And that's what we're looking for this Christmas, less fear, more faith. And uh, when hope swells in our life, um, we then are attached to a future uh, that is indestructible and undefiled and all the, all the rest of it. In Hebrews chapter 11, um, we read these words. Faith, when we have less fear, more faith, when we trust Jesus, when we allow him into our space, uh, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. What is faith? Faith is the assurance, the confidence, right, of things hoped for and um, the conviction of things not yet seen. Hope is the result of faith in Christ by allowing him to come into our space. And as a result of Christ being in our presence and in our lives, um, hope is born. Uh, faith is what connects my present life with my future life. Biblical faith rises above fear and fills us with this hope. It's the product of the presence of God within us. And hope is more powerful, right, than our doubts. Hope is more powerful than our disappointments. Hope is more powerful than all the experiences that God allows to come into our life over the course of our lifetime. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. Faith is simply taking God at his word, right? It's trusting God. It's trusting God's promises. But here's the thing about faith and hope. Um, faith, when it does uh, become activated in our life, it always leads to action. Uh, that's Hebrews 11, verse 1. But Hebrews 11, uh, the whole chapter goes on to say, you know, these are people who had faith and listen to what they did. And uh, it, all, it shows the action by, uh, verse 4, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. Because he had faith, he acted and his action was different than his brothers, right? Um, by faith, uh, verse 8, by, uh, yeah, by faith, uh, verse 7. By faith, Noah, being warned by God, built an ark. You know that, right? Because he believed God, because he took God at his word. He acted. Uh, by faith, uh, verse 8, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go to a different place. Uh, so faith, it, it always, it's, it's, a, it's a choice, it's a decision, but it always leads to some kind of action in our lives. It changes our lives. Uh, when it's real. Faith without works, you know, as uh, James said, is dead. Another thing about hope uh, is, is this. Hope is what creates patience. 
Like you can tell how much hope you have by how much patience you have. As hope increases, right, patience increases because you realize this life is not all there is. And uh, there are promises that God's made about the future. And so in Hebrews 6, for example, uh, verses 11 and 12, um, we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He said, we want you to be filled with hope so that you can be like Noah and like Abraham and like uh, Abel, you know, so that you don't become sluggish and so that you don't become just, uh, you know, hopeless. I think the worst condition that you can be in in life is to be hopeless. When you are without hope, you're in real trouble. And, uh, you know, there are people that uh, are living that way that we're well aware of. In uh, verse 19, we sang about this this morning. Um, We have hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of our soul. It's what keeps us from drifting too far. Hope is the anchor that holds our soul in place. And I think uh, the Apostle Paul in Romans uh, said the same thing in Romans chapter 8 and verse 24 and uh, 25 Uh, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit groan groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now, hope that's seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he already sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it, how? With patience. Where does patience come from? It comes from an increase in hope, as hope comes from faith. And so it becomes significant um, to know that God has prom- know what God has promised to grab onto our future and allow hope to develop in our lives. Hope is a fruit of God's presence. It's a fruit of the spirit uh, that God puts in us. And so I want to suggest that hope might be the very best Christmas present of all. Because no matter what situation you find yourself in, God's hope is a living hope. It's alive. It it enlivens us. It gives us a different measure of life than somebody who's not a believer. But it's easy to miss this living hope if we misplace our hope. If we misplace our hope, um, we can miss out on the hope that God wants to give us. Uh, There were these two um, Jewish guys who um, uh, were in Jerusalem uh, for Passover quite a few years ago now. And uh, maybe they were even there uh, for the week. And um, maybe they were there on Palm Sunday. And uh, Jesus, you remember, on Palm Sunday came riding into Jerusalem on the back of a donkey. And uh, all the people laid palms out and laid their coats out and so forth. And they came in and they started shouting, you know, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Maybe these two Jewish guys were even there on Palm Sunday and were shouting those words at Jesus. But by the following Friday, these two guys had become eyewitnesses of Jesus dying on the cross. And... um, They were, it's now Sunday morning, and they're going to start going home now after that week of Passover. And uh, 
they try to get an early start. They lived about seven miles away, and they're walking. And uh, as they're walking along, they're talking about everything that happened in Jerusalem while they were there for Passover. They're talking about all that happened to Jesus and so forth. And all of a sudden, a third person joins them. Do you remember this story? Uh, they're walking towards home, and the third person joins them, and it's Jesus, but they don't recognize him. And uh, Jesus kind of comes up to them, uh, even though they didn't recognize him, and says, uh, you know, he asks them in Luke chapter 24, uh, he, he asks them, you know, what are you talking about? In Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 17, Jesus said, what's this conversation that you're holding with each other um, as you walk along? So they stop, right? And uh, it says in the next verse, next part of the verse says, and they stood still looking sad, right? Picture this. And then one of them, named Cleopas, answered Jesus, and although he didn't know it was Jesus, he said, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened here in these past days? And uh, Jesus says to them, what things? Right? He's kind of playing along. What things? And they said to him, you know, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God, and all the people, and how our chief priests and the rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now listen very carefully to what they say next in verse 21. But we had hoped. We had hoped. Oh, man, our hopes were really getting juiced up. We had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. We had hoped that he would be the one to make Israel great again. That's really what they're saying, you know? <laughs> we had hoped that he would be the one to return us to the glory days of David when Israel was on the top of its game. We had hoped that he would be the one to get rid of the Roman occupation that's such a pain for us. We had hoped, you know, that life could have been a celebration of shalom. Oh, we had hoped. But then he was crucified. You ever use this phrase, we had hoped? We had hoped. I have many, many times. We had hoped that my father would have pulled through. We had hoped that the surgery would work. We had hoped that the cancer was gone and that mom would, would be healed. We had hoped that the addiction was behind us. We had hoped. We had hoped that the job would come through. We had hoped that my parents would have worked it out. But what we wanted, we didn't get. And what we got, we didn't want. Hopes disappointed. Hopes misplaced. Right? We had hoped. I think we can all relate to these two guys. Um, looking sad, heads down, shuffling along, wondering why didn't God give us what we hoped for? And then having to decide on the other side of the disappointment, am I going to respond with fear? And am I going to give up hoping anymore? I'm just not going to get my hopes up about anything. You ever say that? Huh. 
Or are we going to respond with faith? Are we going to become a pessimist or an optimist? Are we going to respond with faith and recognize, you know what? God's not done yet. God's not done yet. Maybe my perspective is limited and God's is unlimited. Maybe I'm short-sighted and earthbound while God is eternal and has the whole picture. And so in verse 25, uh, to these two guys, Jesus says to them, uh, you guys just don't get it. Here's what he says. Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Can you imagine that conversation? How would you like to be a fly on the wall for that? I mean, just imagine this. Jesus is like, you guys just don't get it. You know, the hopes of these two guys were tied to their temporary lives. The things they hoped for were not tied to their faith in God. And they weren't tied to the things that God had revealed in the scriptures. If you think about it, if God had given these two guys what they had hoped for, the last 2,000 years would not have happened. Israel is going to be redeemed. But not yet, right? Think about this. If God had given these guys what they hoped for, the church would never have been born. The promise that God made to Abraham, that through Abraham and his seed, singular, Jesus, all the families of the earth would be blessed, all the ethne of the earth, that would have never happened if Israel had been redeemed 2,000 years ago, if these two guys got what they hoped for. Um, if you think about it, um, Easter would never have happened if these two guys got what they hoped for back when Jesus was there. It would not have happened. Uh, Israel would be redeemed. Israel will be redeemed, but it's in God's timing. Patience. Hope produces patience. Uh, death will be no more, right? But in God's timing. Sickness and cancer will eventually be eliminated, but it's in God's timing. Tears will stop flowing. Pain will be eliminated, but not yet. God doesn't always do what we hope for because usually God does more than we hope for or better or beyond, right? Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond all that we ask for or can even imagine. Right? Have you ever thought about how God wants to go beyond where our hopes are at? We had hoped that dad would pull through. But instead, God gave him eternal life. We had hoped that the surgery would work. But instead, God promises a whole new body that will never hurt and never get sick we had hoped that the job would come through but instead God built character into somebody's life we had hoped for a smooth life but instead God used problems to get us ready to live in a place called heaven you see we can miss the hope when we misplace it and here's Jesus 
and he's standing right next to these guys, and he's talking to them, and they don't even realize it. And I wonder how often we, because of our misplaced hope, have Jesus standing right next to us, wanting to talk to us from the scriptures. Isn't it interesting that uh, Jesus doesn't just talk to these two guys. He doesn't say, you know, let's, let's go to the circle diner and have a cup of coffee. and just talk. No, he gets out scriptures. And he explains the scriptures because it's there that God has deposited the truth about the future. And he explains the scriptures to these people and uh, their hearts are changed. Misplaced hope. Uh, Romans chapter 15. Again, uh, Paul talks about this. Uh, Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. God has put it there for us that we might garner the kind of hope that only he can produce. I love this uh, uh, passage of scripture in uh, Peter. In 1 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 13. Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be sober-minded, and set your hope, listen to this, set your hope fully. Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ at the second coming. Set your hope fully. We don't even set our hope partially on that because we're so earthbound and we're so tied to this temporary life. And if we limit our hopes to, to what we want in this temporary life, it's possible that we miss the hope that God gives us in the scriptures about a glorious future. The only life you have left to live is your future life. Set your hope fully on the grace that's to be revealed to us with the return of Jesus. So what happens here? Uh, these two guys, they're walking towards home. Pick it up. They drew near the village to which they were going, and Jesus acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, and he blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them. And all of a sudden, their eyes were open. I wonder if they saw the scars in his hand. Imagine Jesus breaking bread and just handing it to somebody, and I wonder if they, oh, my goodness. And it says their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They recognized him. Do you recognize Jesus, the Jesus of Christmas? Do you recognize who he is, the source of love and joy and peace and hope? The source of our future, a glorious future. You notice how these guys' um, discouragement and uh, moved, how they moved from fear to faith and how it went from discouragement to hope. And their lives became hope-filled. And you can read it for yourself. We're out of time. Um, because they went back and told everybody. They were like, this is too good to be true. And it's too good to keep to myself. And they went back and they told everybody. You know? So um, I asked a guy by the name of Tony Salerno, who uh, has been going to our church for many, many years, uh, if he would be willing to just allow me to ask him a few questions. And he graciously agreed. And so I'm going to ask Tony to come up here. 
And uh, the reason I asked Tony is because, you know, in your bulletin each week, there's a place for you to do prayer requests. And uh, Tony, uh, on a pretty regular basis, fills out these prayer requests. And they're always loaded with hope. And, um, and he's been doing this for years and years, which to me was an indication of the tremendous patience uh, that he has in requesting of God uh, the concerns that he has. And so I just thought he's a great candidate for this message to be able to ask. So, Tony, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. Well, uh, you know, we've been... Is this on? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> if not, Daniel will come get you. <laughs> uh, well, we've uh, been here in Fairfield since 1991. We moved here from uh, Brooklyn. Not strange, guy named Tony Salerno from Brooklyn. <laughs> and uh, the Lord led me to this, this wonderful church. Uh, unfortunately, my family is not saved. I have uh, three children, and I'm married. And uh, though I've spoken to them at times about it, uh, they're just not, uh, not there yet. So instead of trying to uh, jam it down their throats, I try to be as Christ-like as I can in my behavior, as, as hard as that may be, but that's, that's what, I, what I try to do. And, um, well, it's not yet, hmm. but I have hope. Um, there was, uh, a, just about a year ago, on Christmas Eve last year, my mom, who is now 93, came to salvation. Isn't that great? Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you. Um, she just all of a sudden, I had spoken to her about it a few times during the years, but she was like, a, you know, a real, you know, Catholic. And so uh, we just happened to be watching television last year, and. Uh, she wasn't feeling good. I, I stayed over to, to make sure she was okay. And um, I don't know, I think she was just watching the Pope on television. So uh, one thing led to another and I started talking to her about it. And I said, you know, would you like to give your life to Christ? And she says, yes. I'm like, okie dokie, that's good. <laughs> and so, so she did. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. Do you, uh, you know, because Tony ton turns in these prayer requests constantly, please pray for my family, pray for my family, for years, huh? Yes. How long do you pray for your mom? Years. Years. <laughs> yeah. And uh, are your, are your, is your hope based on, you know, some scriptures or some promises that uh, God has made that you hold on to and, and yes. makes you so patient Absolutely. and consistent? Um, uh, Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not in your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight yeah. also uh, Jeremiah uh, 29 11 for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans to prosper you and not harm you plans to give you hope and a future and uh, that that's what, what I've gone by uh, ever since I've been a, a Christian in the ups and the downs and all arounds, and I've always, you know, relied on those. Now, um, you know, I tried to make the point that a lot of times, 
you know, we hope for things that don't come our way. And I know that you've had some health issues, you know, that you've in the past prayed about and hoped for and so forth. Tell us a little bit about that and how that worked out for you. Uh, I, in the past few years, I've had cancer uh, three times. I've had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, and, um, it, it just, you know, wherever I was in the hospital or getting treatment or, you know, radiation or chemotherapy or stem cell transplant, um, I just remember those, you know, to pray and those two scriptures and, you know, left all the consequences to God. And when people say to me, oh, wow, look, you, you, you're still here. And I'm like, but <laughs> you disappointed? <laughs> hey, what a crowd. <laughs> uh, I say it's not by my strength. It's by the grace of God. So, like, when you were going through that and you would find out, oh, the cancer is back, I mean, did hope play a role in that for you? Like, you know, the promises of God and your future? And At first, you know, anybody would be bummed out about it. Sure. And just, but I'm like, he got me through the, the other times, uh, and there's no reason to think that he won't do it again. That's great. And tell us a little bit, you've had some serious allergies too, right? For oh, a yes, while. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, it's not as uh, life-threatening, but uh, I've had, you know, dogs and cats and, and for, for years. But in my mid-30s, I developed a very uh, severe allergies to cats and dogs where I had to not uh, have them anymore. If I was near them, it would really generate a bad breathing. And um, this is the way that God works. It's, it's just amazing that um, in May of 2011, I was laid off from my job at Citigroup uh, due to the economic downturn. And uh, my wife wasn't working. And we decided to go to the state for help. Uh, we got the, uh, the the health benefits from the state, and during you know the interview, I was just you know, is this covered? Is that covered? So I'm just it just came to my mind, my mind is, is allergy shots covered? And I said, oh yeah, I'm like dogs and cats. Here I come. <laughs> and right now I got one dog and five cats. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I appreciate you sharing. Yeah, thank you for yeah. having me. Yeah, appreciate let's pray it. together. Heavenly Father, um, we really are thankful that you in Jesus have brought to us uh, this reality called hope. And in the midst of anything that we face in the course of life, we, we acknowledge to you that we're dependent upon the hope that we know this isn't the end that the life that you've given to us is a life that has a huge future for all of eternity, that the gift that Jesus came to give is called eternal life, and uh, that you have caused us, you tell us in the scriptures, that you've caused us to be born again into a living hope. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that um, we could just uh, use uh, Tony's testimony here to remind us 
uh, that even when life is tough or uh, when we get disappointing news and, and things go away uh, a, a different way than what we had hoped, uh, that, Father, there's still uh, room to trust you and to broaden our horizons and to deepen our faith and to change our perspective and enable faith to take a deeper root in our life uh, that prepares us for the future that you have in mind for us. And so, Father, thanks for this gift of hope. And uh, may you uh, fill us with it for your own honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.